with all of my experience um, as a Green Beret, with my experience in my deployments and the gunfights that I've been in, right? I, I'd lie if I say I sometimes don't wish that I'm the guy there when I hear that that you know the active shooter that I can go I can go be a hero and go rescue. You know, so basically with all my gunfighting experience and skills and as an instructor, I've never used that here, Conus. I probably never will use that here. But what have I used? Well, I'm also a soccer medic and I've got the aid bag in my car. And I have been the first person on the scene of multiple car crashes where I'm the one out there helping and rendering aid. That's much more uh, useful of a skill and I've used it a lot more than, than any of my, my, my gunfighting stuff. Welcome to the Green Ops Podcast, where we give you tips and tricks each week to become harder to kill. My name is Luke. I am your host and an instructor with Green Ops. Today, I have on Jared from Lodestone Consulting and Training, and we are going to talk about tactics versus fundamentals, and then how putting all that together, making a big, taking a couple pieces of the pie, making a whole pie, and using that information in possibly a um, active response or a uh, school shooting or some sort of civilian where you are a civilian and maybe you're in um, some sort of active shooter scenario. So before we get going, make sure you like, subscribe, share, send to us to a friend, send to your mother. My mom listens. Your mom should listen and help us grow the podcast. <laughs> so Jared, right. how you, yeah, you exactly right. Get the moms on board. So Jared, how are you doing today, man? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. It's, it's a privilege to be on your, your podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and I, I really thank you so much for being able to come on and talk some of this stuff. So how about, tell us a little bit about yourself and Lodestone Consulting and Training, and then we'll kind of move into the topic. Okay. Um, I grew up in Southern Pennsylvania in, in Lancaster County. And growing up, I thought I had a normal childhood. I like hit all the, the normal stuff at age five. My grandpa bought me BB gun, started teaching me how to shoot. When I was 12, I got a bolt action 22. When I turned 18, I celebrated by buying a glorious $89 Norinco SKS, which I still have. From uh, like roses or something awesome like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I turned, tw turned 21, I bought a pistol, yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I grew up around that stuff. Um, I always had a passion, wanted to go in the military. But when as a young man, 21, 23, when I was, was, getting ready to do that. It just didn't feel right. So I, I didn't join. And then I uh, found a beautiful woman. We decided we we're going to get married. And then 9-11 happened. And that same feeling before that was telling me not to go in, not to go in. Now that I think I found my wife, the right person, that feeling, that sixth sense, that voice in the back of my head said, now, now's the time for you to go. So as an old man at the age of 27, I enlisted went to the 82nd Airborne. I got uh, two really fun combat vacations with them. Um, I was in Afghanistan 0203 and then Iraq in 04. And around that I was, um, I saw and I operated a little bit with some US Army Special Forces. And I decided if I wanted to stay in, I want to be more effective. So I, I tried out, got selected. I spent the rest of my active duty career with 5th Special Forces Group as a, as a weapon sergeant. Had lots of fun with them. Um, that same voice, that same feeling, whatever that prompt was telling me that, uh, I should get out and I should get into to teaching and, and, and training and passing on some of the things that I learned. So I left active duty in 2012. I joined 20th group, which is one of the national guard units. And then I've been teaching professionally ever since. 
I just retired out of 20th group with a little, you know, 20 plus years uh, last year. And again, I did a lot of stuff with them. Uh, the highlight probably working with them is I spent three and a half years as an instructor for 20th groups of Safalic, their special forces advanced urban combat school. And that's where we teach Green Berets how to shoot pistols and rifles, do CQB and do urban movement and stuff. So with all that experience, I, uh, I've really passionate about teaching people and, and I don't care. Um, you mentioned your, your mother and, and mothers need, need to be listening to this podcast. Um, I'm really motivated to, to do that. And I'll quick tell this story and then, then we can get on with the rest of the podcast, but this explains a little bit about who I am and why I'm so passionate with teaching is uh, one morning living in Fayetteville. I went in to Fort Bragg. This is why I was going through the Q course to go do PT. And my wife, uh, she was kind of awake when I left, you know, five 30 ish or whatever in the morning, maybe going on six to get into Fort Bragg. And then she started falling back asleep. Now my wife, she grew up in Staten Island and we were dating her attitude was, eh, I kind of like you, so I'll tolerate you taking me to the range. She'd never shot guns before. So I started teaching her to shoot. After we were married, same kind of attitude. Eh, I kind of like you. I kind of want this marriage to work. I'll tolerate firearms being in the house. So after I left to go to PT, two to three guys attempted to break into our house. And my wife, almost asleep, hearing them coming through the side door into our kitchen, recognizing for what it was, and because we talked and because we had a plan beforehand, she immediately grabbed the Mossberg 590 underneath the bed. And she knew that if she waited in the bedroom, that uh, she wouldn't shoot because if the threats are coming down the hallway to enter the master bedroom, if she shot, maybe she missed that would go through the drywall into the children's bedroom beyond that. So she knew she had to assault them. So she got out of the bedroom, started walking down the hallway, fully intending to uh, whatever she saw, she was just going to keep pumping, clicking. And lucky for her and lucky for them, they had a, a lookout or someone who was actually standing in our carport looking in a window that you could see into our living room and down the hallway. And when he saw this pissed off redheaded woman with the shotgun, he yelled. And then she heard the guys take off and run out of the house. So with that experience my family had, if it can happen to us, it can happen to anybody. And I'm just thankful that we took the time beforehand, the teacher had to shoot and we had somewhat of a game plan. So I'm super motivated to teach anyone and everyone to, uh, to be able to protect themselves. So let me ask a question about that before we yeah. move on. So yeah. did that change her perspective on shooting after that? I'm assuming oh, it did. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, at that point, she did not have a carry permit and she knew, okay, maybe I should carry. But after that experience, she's born again, hardcore, harder than me. She carries probably more than I do ever since that experience. Um, it really changed everything that, that she is and, and, and uh, what she does. And, and I tell people all the time, um, you know, as Americans, it's our second amendment, right. And I think everybody should have a carry permit. I don't know that everybody wants to, and I understand that you can make your own decisions if you want to carry or don't want yeah. to carry, but I think everybody should have a permit because what if like that situation happened to her? And then she wanted to carry that same day or every day after if she has to wait what, yeah. four weeks or whatever to get your carry permit. Now it's like an insurance policy. You have it. And then if you decide tomorrow, you know what? I do want to carry. You already have it. You have no extra steps to go through. Just get it knocked yeah. out. First thing. Absolutely. So and Pennsylvania is a, a shell issue state. So you can walk in, do the, the paperwork. And as long as you pass the check immediately, they'll, you know, you, you've got it that day. 
Gotcha. So in Virginia, it is so I'm not sure how it works, but there is a wait period. You have to mm-hmm. go through a background check. And so it is, I mean, mine, because I've already had one, it's just a renewal, but I think it's like three to four weeks up to three to four weeks where you could be without it before they actually send it to you in the mail. Gotcha. So, so, but that's not the topic topic du jour, <laughs> if you will. So um, let's talk about Lodestone. Okay. Um, your training company and how you kind of have it. I like how you have level one, level two, level three. If you kind of want to tell us a little bit about the company and then the differences between one, two, and three in your trainings that you provide. Cool. I appreciate that. Um, so I started the company and right now we have myself and we have some other guys with a soft background, mostly green berets. We've, uh, branched out. Now we have a couple of Marines working with us. They're okay too. But, uh, and then we also have some law enforcement who, who work with us. So I wanted to get a good core group of guys, Green Berets, who got the same and similar background as me. But then knowing that we needed to approach maybe some things in a different area, I wanted to get other good guys who, uh, who have a slightly different background. I think our students are better served by teaching the same truths, but then different perspectives. One of the things that we are really, really big on and that I'm really passionate about is principles are learning truths. I think that the eight fundamentals or the eight principles of shooting haven't changed since the days of the Revolutionary War. It's the same. Now, our technology's changed. Our firearms definitely have changed. Therefore, some of the techniques need to, to move with the times and need to change. But as long as you keep going back to that those core truths, you're going to be able to learn more. You're going to be able to run that gun better. And you're just going to be able to, to be more fluid. Too many people get stuck on a specific technique and that limits them and they can't really grow or develop as a, as a shooter. Um, so that's one thing we're really, really passionate about it is teaching those, those truths. Like I said, um, all right, and, and you mentioned that uh, I'll teach to, to anyone. So we do have open enrollment for civilians. We do stuff for law enforcement. We do stuff for government agencies. We also do stuff for DOD. So we're, we're teaching a lot of different um different clients with different backgrounds. We teach pretty much the same thing. We just adjust our language or, or how we, we approach those different uh, students or those different clients. Um, so with all of that, we've organized and restructured our classes with these level one, level two, and level three. Not to say that you have to start at a level one, but we wanted to give that an option for, for people who are, are new to the gun. Uh, a lot of our basic classes are really based off of cephalic. I, that's again, I mentioned before, it's where green berets learn how to shoot pistols and rifles. And they usually go through about once every three years and, and take that course. It's about a month long course and each group runs their own. But some teams or some individuals who are deploying more rapidly, that's, that's almost like something to do is pre-mission training. So some guys are doing it like every other year. And part of the thing with, with Cephalic is it teaches those fundamentals. It keeps reinforcing going back to those, those basics. So the way we have our stuff organized, our level one classes, it's really designed to teach that student how to put a hole in a piece of paper where they want it to be. And we really focus a lot of time on that marksmanship. Uh, it's important to understand that. I think it's important to, to keep going back to that in your training, to go back and get that refresher with, with those basics. I learned from experience the first couple of years of running a training company that there were some people who would come who had prior experiences with, with other training companies who were taught the fundamentals. So they are much uh, 
they were able to more quickly pick up advanced concepts or improve as a shooter. There were other students who had taken training from other companies that it was more like they went to a fantasy camp instead of actually how to run the gun. So I remember one guy, he's taking a, a level two class and he told us before, Hey, I've been to these basic classes over, you know, at XYZ training, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, so come along to this. So when we started, the guy didn't know how to run a gun. He didn't know how to put holes on a piece of paper. And I, so I asked him, what did you guys do? So in the basic rifle class that he took within the first hour and a half, they were now doing transitions and they were like doing cheetah flips and stuff on the range. So he thought, Hey, I've got this great training and I'm super, I'm a super operator who's operating operationally when the guy doesn't even know how to do basic marksmanship. So not a knock on him. He just didn't know what he didn't know. And well, I go That's ahead. one thing. That's one thing that I tell students all the time. So I, I'm no military, no law enforcement. So I don't know the tactics anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and I do, I do, I have taken that training, but I am, I'm not a person to teach it, but advanced shooting is being able to put a bullet on demand on whatever size target downrange, whatever distance, yes. right? Yes. That's advanced shooting. Oh, by the way, maybe we just had to do it down a hallway or around a vehicle or in while clearing a room. But the advanced part is putting the bullet where it needs to go. That's the most advanced thing. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm still good. Okay, you you just cut out for a second. I'm <laughs> um, sorry about that. Uh, no, you're, you're you're absolutely right. And we had an experience. There was a, a federal agency that asked us to come and do a, a CQB course with them, and basically to uh, they're at a level. They want us to come evaluate the level they're at, and then on a whole, bring them up and and, and help them to improve. So we're happy to do that. But what I found, what we found, is that what was holding them back is they hadn't been refreshing. They hadn't been going back to the range and doing the, those basic drills. So that training was okay. But what we were able to do is we were able to successfully talk them into next time they contracted with us. Instead of spending seven days in a house, let's spend three days on the flat range, then the rest of the time in the house. So and, and with that, we went through you know, nothing magical, nothing crazy or classified, just a good series of drills, reinforcing the basics. And then going to the house, it was night and day difference. Now they could do all those advanced things because they had spent time, you know, doing the, the simple unsexy things on, on the range. Absolutely. And that's what it takes, right? That's, yeah. that's becoming advanced. That's becoming a professional. Yes. Yeah. So, so go, go ahead. Okay. So our, our level one classes, we have them set up. It doesn't matter if it's pistol or rifle. They're, they're three days long and you can take one day, two days, all three days. Uh, the first two days really is an introduction to marksmanship. They're a little slow, but we, we make sure that, that everyone understands whether it's running a pistol or running a rifle, how to make those holes on paper. That third day, then both days is a full day that we spend with, with malfunctions. And so we start with the most common malfunction you're going to face. And then we go to some more obscure stuff. And then after we do it, you solving all the problem with both your hands. Then we go ahead. Okay. Now we're going to solve those exact same problems. Your strong hand only. Now we're going to solve at the end of the day, all those problems with your weak hand only. And it's real frustrating for students. And the likelihood of you having say a bolt override and that you're going to have to fix with your, your weak hand only is pretty slim. You know, I, I don't know anyone personally or even heard one who, anyone who had to do that, but just doing that, 
with all that self-induced stress on a range and knowing, okay, I just was able to conquer that. Now they're going to know that firearm better than they've ever known it before. It's going to fill that student with all kinds of confidence that's going to help them through the rest of their training. So no matter what kind of advanced class you're taking with us or with other good people, as soon as you have that problem, you're not going to get vapor lock. You're not going to freeze up. You're like, oh, I've dealt with worse with this. And they'll be able to fix that gun, get it up and running and, and continue with training. So that's really our, our level one class. That's what we're focusing on. The basics of marksmanship, getting holes on paper where we want to, and then learning that firearm, your firearm with, with that, all those malfunctions and those different drills so that at the conclusion of those three days, you know it and you've got a high level of confidence. Awesome. Once we get into our, our level two classes, now we start to break away a little bit from, from the flat range. So now instead of just looking at those paper targets in front of us, our, again, it's the same thing for pistol as, as well for rifle, those classes. Our first day is an introduction to shooting while moving and all sorts of drills associated with that. Everything from, you know, ready up drills as well as moving forward, diagonally, laterally. And again, that's just helping prepare a person for the real world when, if they're in a house or in other circumstances. The second day is their introduction to, to barricades. And, you know, what, what's a barricade? Well, it, is it cover? Could be. Is it concealment? Could be. Is it neither? Well, a chain link fence is definitely a barricade, but it's neither cover nor concealment. So we have that conversation. And then we start, we teach some core principles of shooting around barricades. And then we get into tons of techniques. And we don't even pretend to, to say we know it all or the end all be all. There's all kinds of different techniques to approach barricades, whether it's getting distance away or getting up close and using it to stabilize your platform, whether you're going to shoot over, around, through, under, all of that stuff. We, in a, a very relaxed environment, give that experience and let people explore and figure out what works best for them with their particular firearm. Then the third day, again, that's another, both of those are three day courses. That third day, then we get into uh, fighting from the ground. So students are going to fall to the ground. They're going to have to push, shoot from the ground. We've got strikes that are doing on um, dummies, on heavy bags, uh, all, all sorts of stuff. So, so now at that third day, now that they, you know, they know how to shoot, uh, pieces of uh, uh, holes and pieces of paper. Now their heart rate's up a little bit. They can move, they can use barricades. That third day, then we get very physical with them. And uh, it's, it's a smoke fest, but again, it's, it's really good. And it's slowly through those three days, building them up to, to the point where they can safely run a gun and, and deal with the greater world. Sure. And then your level three, that's probably where you're like really bringing in the tactics portion. Yes. Yes. That's where um, now we're bringing in, in vehicles. Um, so we have dedicated vehicle class. That's also where we get into some of the, uh, the CQB or CQC that we teach. And what's cool for me and for my experience, uh, not only doing like CQB for real for 20 plus years, um, a lot of different forms too with 82nd and with SF, as well as instructing for three and a half years, Green Berets, how to do some of that. I've got a pretty good grasp of, of truths so now if we're doing an open enrollment class, I'll take those principles of truths and share different techniques with uh, civilians, you know, a husband and wife, the way they're going to need to clear their house to get to the safe room or go rescue their kids and get them into a safe room in case of a home invasion. The truths are the same, but their techniques are completely different than if I'm teaching four man CQB for law enforcement or for, for military or somebody else. Again, those truths are the same, that techniques are just completely different. So in theory, now that they've, learned how to shoot and they've learned about the world around them at the level one and the level two. Now the level three, now we're immersing them in that world. So like the vehicle class, 
Um, now we're, we have a good vehicle lab where they're shooting through the car, shooting through windshields, seeing, you know, what my bullets are going to do and uh, how it's going to affect hitting the car itself. And then we, you know, do a lot of brake contact singly, then with two man. And that's when we started the communication as, as they're working together with those different tactics. And then uh, one big thing we do with, say, with our vehicle class is we usually start, depending on the, the season, we start around noon or 1 p.m. because that class goes into the night and we want them experiencing working around the car. Also, you know, when, when it's dark, using flashlights, what kind of splashback am I going to get against the windshield, against the car itself? And so we do all those drills in at night. The second day, same thing. We start at noon, one o'clock again, depending on, on the season and the location. And now it's really heavily focused on, on communicating. We're bailing out of the car because the vehicle is just a bullet magnet. We need to get out and we have steel and paper targets and cardboard targets and all sorts of stuff for them to play with as they're learning to communicate, run their guns safely and get to a, a point of, of, uh, of cover. And then after we have dinner, before it gets dark, we finish up that class with force on force. So we clear everything out of there. And then we have uh, um, UTMs, SIMs. And then when I started instructing, boy, I really stuck my nose up at, uh, at Airsoft. I thought that was the lamest gimmicky thing. And now that I've been doing this for a little while, Airsoft's not too bad. Students and myself can get a lot more reps in using Airsoft than getting chewed up by UTMs. We right. still use UTMs, but but we, we also like a lot of airsoft. So then we we put that force on force component. So now they're applying everything that they've learned in and around the car and um, and getting that, that real feedback. Wow, if I sit in this car because it's cool and it's fun with all the windows gone and I try to fend off the, those attackers, I'm just going to get chewed up. And nothing like that that pain as that lesson as they realize, oh, I do need to get out of this car. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a reinforcement right there. Yes. You take a couple of those. It's like, uh Oh <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that's go ahead. I was going to say, well, with that being said, like, so you kind of, your whole curriculum starts from fundamentals all the way to tactics. And in yes. my vision is fundamentals are the baseline and then maybe not advanced, but the end of the journey is kind of the tactics. And, it can be broken down to be, Hey, you want to be good at room clearing. You still got to know the fundamentals and then you got to get into that room clearing tactic or vehicle tactics or whatever yes. it may be. Yes. Let's talk about those um, fundamentals and tactics as it pertains to maybe a civilian in, you know, out here in the world, active shooter. What do you like to see out of students or what do you think students need to be doing? Personally, I would say they got to master the fundamentals. Like that is a, a 100%, but how many students or how many civilians do you think they need to be delving into more of the tactics world um, I, as they move forward, as they master those fundamentals? I, I think it's, it's essential. Um, they do have to start to get a good grasp on those, on those fundamentals. And after they've done that, one of the best things they can do is go into force on force. Um, and, and that reinforces, and that really helps them to, you know, to learn the lessons that they understand in theory that they are taught on, on the flat range. And I know we do a little bit, not as much as I'd, I'd like to do more. We'll be doing more in, in the future, but there are other really good reputable companies that offer force on force. And that's one of the things that, that we, I encourage, you know, and maybe I'm an enigma in, in, in the training community, 
you certainly are too. How, how dare you bring a competitor on and, and talk to them on, you know, here, that's, that's unheard of. But one of the things that we preach at every class is, hey, we've got a good product. We do a good job. Yes, that's why you're here. But go out to other people. Go to other reputable companies. You will be a better shooter by taking a class from us and then taking the same class or similar class by, by these good people or those good people. And that's the one thing that we really encourage. So after those fundamentals, one of the best things they can start to do is experience that force on force. They need that adrenaline dump. They need to understand what that fight or flight response not only feels like, but then as they understand, this is how my body is going to respond to it. Now I can adjust my individual training accordingly. All of us experience that adrenaline dump. All of us experience that fight or flight or freeze response differently. And if you haven't experienced it before, the time in a real world, you know, life-threatening situation isn't the time to, to feel it for the first time. And good training pushing you and bringing stress is, is a good way to, to get that stress inoculation, help prepare you for that. Absolutely. And every time, like I've done force-on-force -force training and stuff, and now it's easier. Perfect example, I was actually doing some work with a friend of mine. Um, I was like op four. And okay. we had another guy that it was a, um, one of the scenarios, there was two of us that were bad guys. And so we were just kind of in a staging area waiting. And the other fella that was the bad guy, I said, Hey, have you ever like done any of this before? And he said, no, I, I haven't. <laughs> His mask is fogging up. I mean, uh -huh. he's in like, just he, he's already fight or flight and we haven't even started the scenario. And I'm yes. like, hey, man, it's yeah. going to be fine. Don't worry. And he's like, man, you're calm. I was like, yeah, I did this before. It's good. Like, I'm just breathing. We're hanging out. I'm talking like, who knows? Probably talking baseball or something silly to the guy. And all he could think about is he's about to lose. He's about because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and he's going to get shot. But the more you do it and the more you inoculate yourself to that, it's like, eh, just another thing, you know? And then, and then my mindset can just go to the shooting portion. Or the manipulate, like have a malfunction. Okay, just fix the malfunction yeah, versus yeah. ah, every the world's caving in. Yes, that that's absolutely correct. One of the ways we have our classes structured um, from the very beginning is uh, you know it's a little bit of stress, a little self-induced stress, and, and then once they, they conquer that, we just add a little bit more, add a little bit more, add a little bit more that it's manageable. There's nothing even in the advanced classes that we don't go from zero all the way to eleven, you know, and, and expect them to. Uh, to be able to function. We make sure that everything is, is achievable. Um, and I remember, I remember the first time I was on a range with other people that I didn't know. And I had to shoot. That was, that was stressful. Just that, that everyone's looking at me. Right. And even though it's silly, silly now, but I can appreciate people going and shooting for the first time, that, that feeling of, of dread, that feeling of self and stress. And uh, you know, that's, that's good. It's healthy. And we want to help them to uh, conquer that be able to come back and, and do more and uh force on force is one of the best ways to, to do that absolutely I, I have uh i have a lot of kids and they don't appreciate the childhood that i've given them i I've, i'm giving them the childhood i wish i had so one of the greatest moments if i can brag and i like to brag one of the greatest moments in my my life as as a human being as a father i was in a catwalk a couple of years back and my youngest son, then 11, he had a Sims AK and he had a UTM MNP and he was holding off six agents in the house. 
just working them. And I'm up there, tears in my eyes underneath my mask. I'm like, oh, that's my boy. As he's just, just working them, working them. And to him, you know, it was just any other day because I'm playing with dad. Um, he has no, no, no comprehension how unique of a, of a upbringing he's, he's getting. Or maybe how good he was at that exact moment. Yes. Yes. He had, yeah. He had no idea. <laughs> It's it's funny when I was the last time we were doing force on force stuff, we one of the scenarios like I'm walking in and the guy that's got his mask fogged up, you can just instantly tell he is just blowing rounds. Uh-huh. And and I've been talking to some of the other students, and so some of the people are like, "Yeah, I've never been hit by a UTM round or whatever." I'm like looking around, like finding them. Like I'm supposed to be shooting that guy, <laughs> and I'm like, "Nope, you're gonna get some, and you're uh-huh. gonna get some." Uh-huh. <laughs> so just just being able to think though but it just kind of shows like once you're immersed in that world even more you open up brain power to do other yeah, stuff yeah exactly and that that's that's what that stress allows you to do experiencing that overcoming that so when you are in that moment that i don't know that double feed's not going to be catastrophic you'll be able to get that gun up right away and continue to do what you need to do so you mentioned like force on force is something you definitely advise civilians to start looking into. Yes. Is, is there anything else that you would tell them? Like, I, I know room clearing is a big thing right now um, yeah. for civilians. And I have an interest in it, but I don't know. I think it would be entertainment for me. <laughs> um, but like knowing the geometry and maybe for my home, in a defensive situation, like you said, I got to go get the kids. I got to get them back to a room. So I am kind of yes. room clearing for about a room and a half. Yes. And then getting back at that point that I'm hunkering down. It's, um, what it's, else it's would def- you suggest? It's, it's definitely a, uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do, because if somebody comes in my house, Oh, I'm going to hunt them down. But, <laughs> but, but generally, um, like I said, the, the principles, those truths of, of clearing a room and points of domination and all that, that's, those are truths. It's just the techniques are different. There is no reason that I can see for a couple to, if there's a threat in the house, to be clearing in the same manner, room to room to room, down the hallways that, say, a team would. No, we need to get to that safe room. We need to uh, get the loved ones and get into the safe room. So along with the actual physically, this is how to enter a room. This is how to uh, approach the threshold. This is how to non-verbally communicate and, and, and communicate by, by touch and, and work together with a partner. In addition to all that, with uh, those home defense classes, we go into detail about how to harden your home. Everything from your appearance to the home to how you can structure things in your home to make it harder. And we talk, what is a safe room? What's the advantage of a safe room? And the safest thing for that, if there is a home invasion, is to not engage, to hunker down in a safe room or maybe potentially even if you can, get out of the house. Let them do whatever. Let law enforcement arrive and, 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 and deal with that. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's how I approach it, at least, at least teaching civilians, but it's in the same way with the malfunction class where I don't know anyone who's had to fix a bolt override with their weak hand only by getting that experience, they're going to be better to understand the function of that rifle. So with some of this training, uh, even though some of it is more advanced, it's just by doing that and getting good reps and, and doing room clearing. Uh, it's just going to help them prepare to be able to better deal with the stress in that moment and to be able to think and to make better decisions than what they would otherwise. Well, and let's be honest, we're trying to build thinkers behind a gun. Yes. Yes. I, 
especially <laughs> civilians. Like if you, I, I tell people all the time, we, we go over the four firearm safety rules at every class. Right. And I say, you know, if you're at Walmart and some guy decides he's going to go to town and you're like, I'm concealed carrying, I'm in. And you draw your gun and you get the bad guy, but you also hit about four other people. You're kind of the bad guy. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you need to be conscious of everything that's going on at all times. Yes. One of the things with some of the force on force classes that we've, we've done in the past is, is those scenario based things. And one of the most rewarding ones that I saw was the, the student is approaching an ATM and the guy who I've known for a while, he's, trained with us, trained with a lot of other people, and he's an MD. And he acts like he's the smartest guy in the room, quite honestly, because he usually is the smartest guy in the room. So he's coming up to the ATM, I'm safetying, and then the two role players come up and they're just talking to him. Hey man, we want to go to the club. You got any money? And that's as threatening as they got. And his mind, they're here to they're here to mug me. So then next thing we know, he pulls out his pistol and he starts brandishing it. And he's like, you better step away. And then the one role player Taking that cue, nine one one. Hey, somebody just pulled a gun on me, and then he had on one of the um, is a UTM, you know, the full face shields where you can mm-hmm. actually, you know. So he was wearing one of those, so I could see his face, and you should have seen the look in his eyes because one second he was, you know, this is righteous, I'm doing the right thing, and then as soon as he realized I'm the bad guy, and his eyeballs got full teaching moment. He would never been able to learn that or had that experience other than doing good thought out scenario based, you know, uh, force on force training. And that was an invaluable lesson for him. He's not going to make that mistake now in the real world. Absolutely. He's done. He's learned his lesson. Yeah. Wonderful. So, um, we are right getting up against it. So I want to okay. give you a couple minutes here. Um, why don't you plug, how do, how do people get a hold of you? You also have talk about your podcast too, because okay. I do want to give you a good five minutes on that. You guys are on season six, I season believe six. now. Yeah. yeah. So, there's a lot of good information on your podcast, so make sure you talk. Let's talk about that, and then we'll get okay. on to how to get a hold of you. Okay, cool. So our podcast, the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast, um, like you said, it's season six, and primarily it's myself and another Green Beret, Chris Johnson. He and I, um, we've been buddies for 20-plus years. Well, I guess 20 years. It was funny because uh, our wives met at church when we were both in the 82nd Airborne, but I was deployed. So then when I came back, he deployed. Then when he came back, I deployed. So our wives were friends for like two years before we finally linked up. And we were at the Q course at the same time. Both went to fifth group at the same time. I just left early and went to 20th group, started teaching. He retired out of fifth group, um, did a lot of really good stuff. So we're the two primary guys. And one of the things that we push in our podcast is what we call the, the light fighter concept or this idea that you need to think your light no one's coming, but, but just you. And we use a lot of historical examples from Rogers Rangers, shoot the Shaka Zulu to, uh, you know, the immortals, all kinds of things um, in, in history's past of these light mobile uh, warriors and what they stood for and their capabilities. So with that, we teach and we talk a lot about self-reliance. We talk food storage. We talk about um, home preparation. Uh, we talk medicine, IFACs, uh, we talk about world events. And then, of course, we get into to shooting and training and our philosophies uh, with that. It's just a very diverse uh, series of topics. But it's all about you improving yourself, you being more self-reliant. And we want to be the asset instead of being, you know, a dependent. 
So we want you guys to, to improve and work and build yourself, improve your community and just be the best person that you can be. Um, we, again, Chris and I are the primary ones, but we bring in a lot of the other instructors, Kirk, who he's also, he like, like you, I guess he has no background in military or law enforcement. He's just a, a good start as a competition shooter. And he is the one who actually now uh, teaches the primary, uh, our primary uh, level one classes. He's just very um, easy to get along with. So those new shooters who are scared, uh, he, he's a good person to, you know, give them hugs and, and help them when they first start. Um, and we have other Green Berets, Rick, uh, Dark Chris, with their experience with long range stuff. And anyways, it's just, it's just a big family. And we talk about a lot of different stuff. And we've, I don't know if you've, you've heard, but uh, we uh, do our seasons two a year and we usually take about three to four um, week break in between. And more than one occasion, like, hey, we're going off the next couple of weeks. Go listen to the, and when you can't hear us, go listen to the Green Ops podcast. They're, they're a good filler. Go listen to those guys. Uh, so it's funny. So Dex, who is not here now, but um, you guys are friends with Dex and he's yeah. trained with you guys. And then you've run a couple competitions. He's gone up there and played around. And he's kind of said the same thing. Like we, we kind of dovetail on each other. We always say harder to kill. I almost hate that because it's kind of like so cliche, but at this point we're 90 episodes in, it's like, it just is what it is. <laughs> exactly. But we, we do the same thing, exactly your same, um, model, right? We, it's not all about the gun. And to be honest, most, a guy in my situation, you got a very, very, very low chance of ever needing the gun. There's so much more that can make you yeah. quote, harder to kill getting in shape. Like you said, getting your house in order, right? Being a little bit prepared, um, things yeah. like that. So well, I, you, you just reminded me of something. Um, so with all of my experience, um, as a green beret with my experience, in my deployments and the gunfights that I've been in, right. I, I'd lie. If I say, I sometimes don't wish that I'm the guy there when I hear that, that, you know, the active shooter that I can go, I can go be a hero and go rescue, you know? So basically with all my gunfighting experience and skills and as an instructor, I've never used that here. Conus, I probably never will use that here, but what have I used? Well, I'm also a sock medic and I've got the aid bag in my car. And I have been the first person on the scene of multiple car crashes where I'm the one out there helping and rendering aid. That's much more uh, useful of a skill. And I've used it a lot more than, than any of my, my, my gunfighting stuff. Right. I, I tell people, I tell students that all the time. I have never once pulled my gun and needed to use that skill set that I have developed. I have pulled my med bag and been the first one on multiple occasions Yep. The one, you know, patching uh, uh, during a car accident, you know, being the one actually being a by doer instead of just a bystander and just looking around. Yeah. So absolutely. So uh, everybody check out their podcast. I'll make sure I put links down below in the show notes so you can just go click and straight subscribe. Get your mothers to subscribe to that podcast, the Lodestone <laughs> yes. Consulting and Training podcast as well. How do people get a hold of you, Jared, if they want to follow you on all the social medias and internets? So we're, we're on Instagram. We are on Facebook, but I hardly ever look at that. It's just a replication of what we have on, on Instagram. That's the best way as far as social media. And that's uh, Lodestone Training Consulting. That'll get us on Instagram. You can check out our website, which is Lodestone. Now, I keep seeing Lodestone, but we spell it the old school way. We spell it L-O-D-E-S-T-O-N-E. -E. Lodestone, which is the original compasses, that original thing that our ancestors used to help point them in the right direction, help them find their path in life. So that's why we, we use lodestone. 
So Lodestone Tack, you can get on our website. We have a wealth of information there. We've got links in the briefing room to all of our podcasts, as well as articles on, you name it, everything from thanking the, the pilgrims and giving praise to God for what they did to, you know, how to be harder to kill. Uh, and we, we, everything is on there. Um, we have a lot of explanations about our classes. We've got calendars. Um, so there's all, all kinds of information. The website really is designed for you to, to learn about us and just a wealth of, of information to include. We have free targets and other stuff and free downloads. We have a suggested, uh, book reading, um, list that we, we keep growing, but yeah, it's the website, Lodestone Tack, as well as, as Instagram. Those are the two primary ways to, to get in touch with us. And I will make sure I link everything down in the show notes. So all you have to do is just hit the button and it'll take you right to the Instagram or their website where you can get lost in all of their stuff in, in the briefing room, right? Yeah, I mean, there's just yeah. tons of information there and it's good information to have. So Jared, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, make sure if you are listening to this, check them out, go to their website, see what they've got on the schedule. Maybe you need to go and take a level one, level two, level three class and kind of get spun up on more of the tactics and fundamentals and marrying those two together while you're out there in the world trying to survive. If you want to come train with us, it's green-ops.com. Check out our schedule there. Everything is posted for 2023. And then also, if you want to follow me, I'm Wreck-It Luke on Instagram. We also have Green Ops Podcast on Instagram and Green Ops Inc. on Instagram. So reach out to us there if you have any questions, comments, concerns, all of those things. Lastly, like, subscribe, share, send to a friend, send to your mom. Uh, with that, Jared, again, thanks so much. Thank um, you. This has been wonderful, and I appreciate you coming on. So, Mom, love you. Everybody else, we kind of like you, and we'll talk to you very soon. Take care.